If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Ho, 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 baby. <laughs> what is up? Buffalo Fanatics, Z-Bot here with you, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. It can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break, live from a different location than normal, as you can see. I want to apologize right off the bat. We got a little shadow going on. It's a little dark. The Wi-Fi might not be as good as it typically is, and that's because I've had a whirlwind of a week. And I'm currently downstate at the girlfriend's place for the holiday. I cannot believe we're a couple short days away from Thanksgiving. What the hell is going on? But thank God the Buffalo Bills are playing on Thanksgiving because that, of course, makes the holiday just that much better. What more could you ask for? Food, family, in the Buffalo Bills. I won't tell you which order to put each one in. That's for sure. Welcome in to the smoke break here on the Buffalo Fanatics. So good to have you in back on a Monday that is indeed a victory Monday. It's felt like it's been months since we've joined each other on a victory Monday. I mean, thank thank God for that. I was getting a little sick and tired of opening the show by saying, son of a bitch, son of a bitch. Bills get back on course, I guess you could say, in the, in the words of the late, great Chris Farley. They got back on the right track. So we think. We're going to dive into it all tonight. I'm not here tonight jumping for joy over what we saw yesterday by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, that's for sure. I'm not going to sit here today and pretend like yesterday was all peaches and cream and rainbows and sunshine because it wasn't. The nice thing is, though, it hasn't been that way the last several weeks, but we did get the W this time around, and that is all that matters at the end of the day. But looking forward here, things are a bit different than what we thought they'd be early on in the season, and there's, of course, a lot to dive into. But I had set off the, uh, off the gate, right out of the gates here to start the show, crazy weeks. Let me break it down for you, the reason why I'm kind of in a new spot right now, a little bit all over the place right now. So I come down here last week, and things just start happening quick. So my girlfriend, um, as you, as the loyal listeners know, my girlfriend, Caroline, she had graduated nursing school, God, what is it, a month ago now? I mean, it's crazy how, how fast time is flying. She immediately lands the dream gig, right? Little time goes by. She's getting a little worried. Oh, am I going to get the job? Am I going to get the job? Boom. Lands the dream gig. And she starts in January, like right off the bat. So we're like, we got to get to moving. And I live up near Rochester, as you all know. She's down here on the outskirts of New York City. And so I'm here to tell you, we officially last week found our apartment in the same day, signed the lease. I'm moving, which is crazy. I haven't moved since college, and I'm moving to Stamford, Connecticut. Crazy. I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be moving outside of New York. Well, maybe I did. I think I... 
thought at some point I'd get out of New York, but it's crazy knowing now that it's a reality and it's all happening very fast. So here we are in the span of a week. I went from, you know, coming down here for the holiday to boom, all of a sudden we're moving. And now today we're getting all of our, you know, ducks in a row trying to figure out we need to buy this. We need to buy that. We signed the lease today and Caroline, look at, she's in here right now. She's in here right now. So thanks to all uh, those who are saying respect, uh, obviously shout out my main man, Pierre and big time Bean coming in. Uh, D. Watt Raleigh, of course, appreciate all the love. I'm excited, man. I can't wait. And I got to tell you, a big treat is in store for you guys once I do move into this place. So this new joint we're moving into, it's a loft apartment. I don't know if you know much about these, but that's like my dream apartment because it's one of the only style of apartments, unless you're living in a condo, that has an upstairs. And luckily for me, they claim that the the apartment's a one bedroom, but the lofted area upstairs, uh, it has a massive, massive storage space. And they can't technically call it a bedroom because there's no windows in it. And guess what we're turning that storage space into, baby? We're turning that into the smoke break studio. And I'm going to pimp that thing out like you've never seen. So the days of the old green screen Falling behind me are done. The days of the green screen in general are done. Sneak peek, verbal sneak peek. That's all I got to offer you right now. But I'm telling you right now, when we get in there in January, Smoke Break's going to be completely revamped. That studio is going to be off the charts. And I'm sure Caroline is so excited to get in there and, uh, and decorate that with me. I think that's got to be at the top of her priority list. So that's that. That's what happened last week into the weekend. Then if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever was out at Madison square garden for the 100th Dave Matthews band concert of mine. I know I have a serious problem. I myself cannot believe I myself cannot believe that that is what it culminated into. I've been seeing that band nonstop for a decade and you blink. And I had just attended my hundredth Dave Matthews concert and it was awesome. It was at Madison square garden, the Mecca of entertainment, the Mecca of all um, arenas, stadiums, you name it. doesn't get better than that. It's the pinnacle. And that was a two-nighter. So I was down in the city Saturday or Friday night and Saturday night. But then it didn't stop there because Sunday we had a little bit of Buffalo Bills football, baby. Now the tough part about being down here, because we're about 45 minutes outside of New York. So the tough part, and by the way, thanks to everybody coming and saying congrats and all that stuff means the world. Seriously, I love it. It's a, it's a crazy time right now because I'm sure you've been there before in your life where all of a sudden you're, you're stuck in, in your ways doing one thing. You got your routine. Boom, you blink and you're off to the races doing something else. But the cool thing about all that is it's exciting. It's exciting. It's not like it's a bad thing. Of course, it's a really exciting thing. And like I said, super stoked to bring you guys on the journey because I'm telling you all I can think about right now. Of course, outside of me and Caroline moving in together, which is the biggest priority, the most fun part of this whole journey. But number two, it's going to be that studio. I cannot wait. But anyway, so Sunday, uh, the game, you know, obviously got some Buffalo Bills football to watch. What else matters on a Sunday? So we got to come back from Madison Square Garden. We got to get our butts back here uh, up in Rockland County. Now, the problem is the entire area here is engulfed with Jets and Giants fans. And, of course, that means the CBS and Fox broadcasts are not going to be getting the game that we would get up in Rochester and Buffalo. So I have to jump through all these holes, right? I Oh, God, by the way, James coming in here saying, don't turn into a Jets fan. Come on, James. Come on. Don't even play me like that, man. 
Don't even, don't even get that in your head. I'm already, I'm already, you want to know what I feel like I'm going to have to deal with the most in Connecticut is Patriots fans. That's who I'm probably going to have to deal with the most out in Connecticut. You know what I mean? But hey, we're at the point now where maybe if I was moving out there 10 years ago, it'd be tough to wear my Bills gear around. Now they can bow down to the king, okay? They can bow down to the Bills mafia, finally, for once. Even though we haven't, we haven't, we haven't seen them yet this year. We haven't seen them yet this year. Let's try to get over that hump again. So by the time I do move in out there in January, they got no leg to stand on. But anyway, Sunday, I got, I got to go through all these hoops just to get the Bills game on. So I have, to, I have to get a Nord VPN. I have to get a VPN. And then I have to trick the computer into thinking I'm in Buffalo. So you have to rewire the location of your internet to make the computer think that you're in a completely different area. So I trick the... Uh, I tricked the computer into thinking I'm in Buffalo. And then I got to sign up for Paramount Plus. Uh, now, of course, there are all these streaming networks nowadays. You can never just get the basic and be done. You got to sign up for Paramount Plus, and then you got to pay the additional fee to get the Paramount Plus Plus or whatever the hell they call it, because that gives you access to stream your local CBS network. So I got to pay like 15 bucks to get the CBS, or the CBS stream from New York or from Buffalo. Long story short, I get Channel 4 in Buffalo, Bill's game's on, and the rest is history. And shockingly, I didn't run into any problems. I get really bad anxiety when I'm not able to just watch the game on cable. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't bit the bullet yet and gotten rid of cable completely. When I move into our new place, there's no way I'm getting cable. I'm not paying for it. I'm going to do the YouTube TV or something. And that's the one thing I'm worried about the most is because of the delay. Every time I'm watching the Bill's, and my boys or something that I'm not with have money on the game or whatever, and I'll say something that happened in the game, they get all pissed at me because I'm always two plays ahead. I don't want to be two plays behind. And if you follow me on Twitter, I'm live tweeting the whole thing. Maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I'll stop tweeting the whole damn game. Maybe that'll be a blessing here. But I hate that aspect of it, and you could tell the game was definitely a bit behind, but luckily for me, there was no streaming problems. Usually, that's a big worry when you got to rely on the internet to watch a game. I don't care if it's like a Netflix show or whatever. I can deal with it. But I'm not sacrificing a second of that. And thank God I went through it and it was all good. And then that was, the, that was the end of my rant. That was my week. And now let's get into some Bills football, right? And I got some recommendations coming in here, by the way. Let me know. about Yeah, that's actually, I like that. If you got Hulu, if you got YouTube TV, what else is out there? Let me know what you guys think's best because I got to wind up deciding here. And it's really all going to come down to what's got the best sports package. Right, because everything else I watch, it's not even on cable. I could give a rat's ass. I mean, I'll watch whatever I want to watch on HBO Max. That's my that's my jam usually, or or uh, you know Amazon Prime or whatever. But let me know what you got, because um, ultimately it's going to come down to what has the best sports streaming package, ESPN, and then the NFL uh, spiel. So let me know what you guys got down there, and uh, I would appreciate it because this is my first time cutting the cord, um, and it's all about. The best way to watch the Bills, that's for sure. So speaking of watching those Bills, we had some football to watch on Sunday, of course. Enough about my life. You guys don't care, do you? Why would you? I, you know, I, I'm the only one who should really care about it. But we really all care about mutually is those Buffalo Bills. And we know coming into Sunday that things were not, you know, they, they weren't looking the best. We had come off of two straight losses where it just felt like the Buffalo Bills had it in the bag both weeks, especially last week. That was one of those losses that you really – had a tough time getting through the week with, right? Some of these losses just stick with you for a long time. But not only that, they just ruin your entire week. That was that Vikings loss. 
And we're coming into this past week here, and it just seems like the Bills couldn't catch a break. Not only do they come off the loss to the Jets, they compound that with the loss against the Vikings, and then shit hits the fan with the weather out in Buffalo. I mean, I can't even believe what I was hearing. I was down here, so I didn't experience any of it, thank God. And shout out to anybody who's out in Buffalo or in the area. Hope everyone's doing well, because that stuff's no joke, man. You blink, and you can't even see out your front door. Six feet in, what was it, a span of 24 hours. And you only get so many home games, right? And it just felt like the way things have been going for the Bills, they could use a they could use a bounce back game against a team in the Cleveland Browns who have had a real tough time closing out games this year. And then all this stuff hits. And my first thought was, well, if they're going to play in the snow, this game immediately favors the Cleveland Browns. The Bills have had a hell of a tough time stopping the run game as of late. If there's snow on the ground, that immediately favors the rushing department for either side and we know going into this game it was no secret the Cleveland Browns have the much better run game than the Bills so you thought you thought that at least before you watched the game now had that game been played in Buffalo with those elements maybe we would have saw a different outcome here I'm not entirely sure I do know for a fact that Jacoby Brissett of all people wouldn't have had a career day like he did at Ford Field and we'll get into that of course throughout the length of the show here But if that game was in Buffalo, I do think things would have been a lot differently. I think it would have favored the Browns. Um, But, hey, the way the Bills did run the ball, who knows? Nonetheless, though, throughout the week, I was just worried that this game was starting to edge more towards Cleveland. And it's the last thing that the Bills needed after coming off these last two weeks. And you look ahead. You're on a short week here already. You got to play Detroit on Thanksgiving, who's starting to ascend a bit here compared to what we thought they were. And then you don't want to look past the Detroit game because that's starting to look like it could be tougher than we thought. But you look after the Detroit game and you got three straight divisional games and we've seen how tight the divisional race has become in the AFC East. So this game to me was huge. The Bills had absolutely have to have this Cleveland Browns game to move forward into that stretch of AFC East game games on a short week with momentum. So you go through all that and it finally hits to Thursday and you're wondering what the hell is going to happen. The team doesn't even know what's going to happen. And then they finally decide that they're going to send it to Detroit. But even then, you know, things can't work at the drop of a hat. You got to be able to get the guys out of the, out of their homes. And those videos, by the way, unbelievable. I mean, the video of uh, what's the guy's name? They call him a squirrel or something. The old dude there. What a legend going over to J.A.'s house getting the the John Deere out, shoveling him out. Devin Singletary is about a half a foot shorter than the amount of snow on the ground. These guys have to walk a half mile through uh, the middle of nowhere to get to the car in order to get to the airport. And thank God, I don't think anybody's talking about this enough, but thank God the airport was as cleared up as it was. Because if the airport had gotten as pounded as Orchard Park did in the surrounding areas, I don't know if they ever get out of there and get to Detroit. They're lucky they got out of there on time as is. They weren't able to fly over there until Saturday. So everything was starting to stack up against the Bills, so it seemed. I thought they were already at a disadvantage if they were not going to be able to play, or if they were going to play in Buffalo because the snow favored Cleveland. Then once that was off the picture, I thought, well, now they're at a disadvantage because they haven't been able to practice. They were they were practicing virtually, and what the hell does that even mean? I mean, you know, that's not that, that's not anything. And then you have to leave on Saturday and you're playing a game at one o'clock in a different venue less than 24 hours later. The whole thing was just a complete mess. And it just seemed very fitting to the way things have been going the last couple of weeks. 
And that's why, as I get into this game here, I'm willing to give a bit more of a pass into what we saw in the first half than I typically would. And the reason I laid out everything that happened this past week is because you have to think that that plays some sort of a factor. I mean, these at the end of the at the end of the day, even though a lot of these guys don't look human. I mean, we saw Matt Milano's biceps over the weekend. If you've seen Spencer Brown in person, I'm 99% sure he isn't a human being. We've seen Josh Allen throwing the ball, uh, you know, 80 plus yards without putting his front foot forward. I'm 110% sure he's not a human being, but they still have to deal with normal human things like we do. And when you have to fly to a random location that you didn't know you had to the day before a game, having to make sure your family's okay because of the the storm, make sure you can get out of the house. So you can get to the game. I just think the whole thing really stacked up against Buffalo. And I think that that is a major factor into what we saw in the first half of this game. I mean, of course, throughout the last couple of weeks, the Bills have been god-awful at closing games, and they've been pretty pitiful in the second half. The second half, the last few games have just been uncharacteristic of the Buffalo Bills that we've be, you know, become used to watching, not only this season, but over the past several seasons, especially when you're related to earlier on this year. And all I had said to you last week before we had you know, moved on from the Vikings game and switched gear into the Cleveland game, I had said the one thing I want to see, no, there was two things. The major thing I wanted to see was a full 60 minutes of consistent ball. Because over the last several weeks, I mean, really since the KC game, we have not gotten any sort of consistent football out of the Buffalo Bills. We've gotten spurts here and there, primarily in the first half, and then everything else derailed from there. I mean, I don't have to regurgitate it for you. I, like I said last week, as soon as we move on from that Vikings game, I'm done with it. I can't think about that anymore. I can't. I really can't. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach. In fact, I went out to, uh, I went out to the bar the other night uh, with my girlfriend's dad and my uh, uh, future brother-in-law, uh, Kevin. And we go to the bar, <laughs> walk into this damn bar downstate. They got, it, first of all, it's Thursday night football. It's Thursday night. They're supposed to be playing the, uh, the Thursday night game. So you'd think these bars aren't paying for Amazon Prime. They're not doing the Amazon Prime thing. So they're replaying the Bills-Vikings game on every single TV in that damn bar. So I've had enough of that shit. I've had enough of that game. But as we shifted into this one, that's all I wanted to see. I wanted to see four quarters because we have not seen it in weeks. And then all this stuff happens going into the game. And then you see what they deliver in the first half. And you're like, well, did they ever really stand a chance to deliver us for four consistent quarters? The other thing I wanted to see is can Josh Allen finally get the turnover monkey off of his back? Because we were going into this Cleveland game with three straight double interception games from Josh Allen. We've never seen anything like it. Statistically, he had been playing some of the worst football of his entire career over the last three weeks. And it didn't help that the majority of those turnovers had come in red zone scoring positions where the Bills could have easily have altered the outcome of the game had those interceptions not been thrown. So those were the two main things. And as we dove into the first half of that game, as much as I wanted to tell myself, well, maybe the reason that things aren't going so hot right now is because of that weather and all the things they had to deal with going into the week, not to mention the illnesses that seemed to have run rampant throughout the team last week as well. It felt like at one point last week, half the team was sick. But of course, when the game starts, you kind of forget about all that. And what you remember is the last time you saw these Buffalo Bills and how they completely imploded in the second half against those Vikings. 
you want to be able to be as, you know, you want to be able to be as fair as you possibly can. And you want to be able to justify the things that you see. But unfortunately, when they go out on that field, none of that matters. Whistle blows, the kick is off, the game is on, and it doesn't matter what happened going up into that game. Nobody cares. How are you going to get it done? And at that point, right, in the first half, it just looked like we were in store for yet another uninspiring outing from these Buffalo Bills. And what was even more concerning is it usually didn't become that evident that quickly. Over the last several weeks, it took a while throughout the game for you to realize, man, the Bills could be in trouble here. Early on in this game, it just felt like out of the gates, what the hell is going on? If they came out flat out, slow, and uninspired. And the Browns, first drive of the game, you're thinking to yourself, really? It's really going to be one of those outings. First drive of the game for the Cleveland Browns, they were not messing around. Nine plays, 75 yards, and a terrific, terrific touchdown from Amari Cooper. And right there, you just kind of chalk that one up to the size differential. I mean, he absolutely sunned Teron Johnson. Yeah, he absolutely posterized him on that throw. And they tic-tacked all the way down the field. And you're thinking to yourself, if it's going to be that easy all game, we could be in some real trouble here because it wasn't just the running game that was getting them down the field. They were tic-tacking down the field through the air and they immediately get in the end zone. So right out of the gate, you're a bit concerned. At least I was because you already know all the factors leading into the game. You already know all the factors that we have kind of revolved our narrative around over the last several weeks from the games we've seen. And now you see this from a Cleveland offense that, let's face it, it's, it's middle of the pack at best, especially through the air. So the Bills offense gets their opportunity to counter, and this is where things to me really stood out as far as the struggles were concerned. In the first half, the Bills offense had absolutely no leg to stand on until about, I don't know, seven-ish minutes left in the second quarter. They couldn't do a damn thing. In fact, the Bills didn't get a first down in the entire first half until the eight-minute mark. I mean, it was horrendous. Borderline unwatchable. Could not move the ball, could not move the sticks, and it just seemed dead in the water. I really don't know how else to describe what we were watching early on in that game. I think Iron uninspired is almost, almost being a little too fair. It felt like they flat out didn't show up. They went punt, field goal, punt, field goal. And the field goal that they had originally got their first score of the game on had come off a terrific punt return from Naheem Hines. What do you know? Ball in Naheem Hines' hands, he makes a play. Be nice if they put the ball in his hands maybe a bit more often, seeing how quick he is when he does get the ball in his hand. But he took that, he took that punt return for 28 yards, put the Bills in field goal territory right off of that punt, and the Bills go three and out again. So right off the bat, things were awfully concerning, at least in my opinion. And the offense, to me, which is, of course, going to be the driving force moving forward if this team wants to be able to hit the ultimate goal we all have in mind here. I told you last week when we watched that game, yes, the Bills, the Bills do put up 30 points, but it, it solely fell on the Bills' offense last week, in my opinion, the blame. 
yeah, the defense had their fair share of blame when it came to the final outcome. But the Bills' offense was the one that really ultimately pissed that game away. And to come out as flat-footed as they did in this game, because I had talked to you numerous times over the last couple of weeks about how I felt as though a trend might be developing because when you carry these traits from game to game, the sample size in this league is so small. If you're going to continuously do these things from one week to the next, I can't have any other conclusion than it being and becoming a trend. And that trend had carried itself into the first half here. The catalyst of that really on the Bills offense to kick things off was the poor play once again of Josh Allen. This was probably the worst first half of football Josh Allen has had all season. 8-16 for 84 yards. And of course, the touchdown right before the second half, which was the first and only reception for Diggs in that first half. They could not find him the ball at all, but it's not necessarily like it was on purpose because they couldn't get the ball to anybody in the first half. The first scoring opportunity the Bills had in the game was that field goal. It comes off of returning the punt right into Cleveland territory. The second time they score another field goal, it was a gift from the Cleveland Browns. Kind of similar to what we saw last week between Mitch Morse and Josh Allen to kind of, you know, hand the game over. A fumble at the one-yard line gives the Vikings the win. Similar type error between Jacoby Brissett and his center. They fumble the ball at the Buffalo 48. And early on here, the, the Cleveland offense was moving. They had just found ways to make mistakes. Their second drive, they get a penalty that backs them up. They have to wind up punting the ball. And then they would go on to get a field goal later on in the game. The field goal drive on their third, their third drive of the first half, the Cleveland Browns, that resulted in a field goal. Two dropped touchdowns thrown from Jacoby Brissett. They got right down into the red zone. Two dropped inter, uh, two, excuse me, two dropped touchdowns in the end zone. And they had to wind up settling for a field goal. They get all the way back into Buffalo territory, their next drive, and then that fumble occurs. So the Cleveland Browns had did their fair share of allowing the Bills to stay in it. But the unfortunate factor that we've seen rear its head over the last couple of weeks is when the Bills defense either, you know, catches a break or they make a play, the Bills offense has not been able to capitalize on it. The special teams gets them into scoring territory without having to do anything other than take the field, get down there. Three and out field goal. Then the fumble you're right at the 50-yard line. They can barely move the sticks again, and they got to they got to settle for a field goal on that drive as well. It wasn't until they finally got things moving a bit towards the end of the second half that you really thought that this off, or excuse me, the first half. It wasn't until they really, you know, started to move the ball a bit before the end of the first half that you thought this offense had any life in them whatsoever to kick the game off. And that was the biggest issue to me right out of the gate. It was after all we've seen the last couple of weeks, you would think at some point there would be an inspiration amongst the, the totality of the team here to try to kick things in gear. And it just wasn't there. What I want to convince myself of as we sit here and talk about it, what I want to convince myself of is that those first half woes had more to do with the things I was talking about to kick the show off then maybe we realize that is what I want to believe. Because if that wasn't the case, 
And what we saw essentially uh, on Sunday was a role reversal of what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. The Bills usually had it in gear in the first half. It fell away from them in the second. And this game was just a complete role reversal. Nowhere to be found in the first half. And they finally kicked things in gear right before they went to the locker room at halftime. And they kept it going throughout the rest of the game. James coming in here with a super chat. Appreciate you as always, James. He's saying, I was at the game in Detroit. Wasn't perfect, but they cl- they played clean ball and they ran it finally. It was a 50-50 mix of Mafia and Dogs fans. That was cool to see, by the way. Yeah, as, as crappy as the, situation, uh, as the situation was, $20 tickets, right? You can't beat that. I know it's only like two and a half hours or so from Cleveland. So the way that it all kind of fell into place, was awesome. And the fact that so many of you, including James, wound up making game, so cool. I love it. Um, But James brings up a great point here. I'm going to get into that as we dive into the second half here. But it really was a strange game in that uh, the way that the Bills wind up winning games almost every week was not necessarily in play on Sunday. This was one of the weirder games I have seen out of this Buffalo Bills team in some time. The way they got things done was completely uncharacteristic. Let's get into it a little bit. For starters, let's talk about what we saw out of the passing game. I had thought when we went into this one, the the matchup was a clear, you know, it was a, it was a clear difference between what we had in the past game in Buffalo and what we had in the past game against Cleveland. The same thing could be said for the running game, except you just switch it. Thought there was a clear disadvantage. Cleveland's got the much better run game. You could argue they have the best tandem in the league as far as running backs are concerned. The Bills' defense has had a hell of a time stopping the run as of late. And the Bills' offense in general just typically can't run the ball at all. The game, however, wound up being the complete opposite. Josh Allen finished the day 18-27, a buck 97 through the air. Only one touchdown. The nice thing, though, zero INTs. The w- one of the two things I wanted to see this game, can Josh Allen not turn the ball over? He did exactly that. Three straight games of two INTs. That streak is snapped. And he finished the day with a 100.4 passer rating, which was the highest that he has had in that department since week six against the Kansas City Chiefs. The thing of it is, though, yes, the numbers are better. The passer rating was certainly better. The turnovers were, uh, you know, were not a factor, which is obviously key. His game, though, was still just meh. And you have to wonder how much that shoulder is really bugging him. I don't know if we know for sure. I don't know if we'll ever really know. Are we really going to know how much that that is bothering him? Because he's never going to tell you. I guarantee you nobody within the Bills are going to tell you. But it has not been, it's not been good. It was good enough on Sunday, and the, and the beauty of it is he didn't do anything to hand the game over. Over the last couple of weeks, even though it hasn't been his greatest football, if he would have not have turned the ball over in the red zone, the Bills probably get out of the Jets and Vikings game with at least one extra victory out of those two. You look at this game, it was pretty similar from what we've seen out of Josh Allen the last couple of weeks, except he didn't turn the ball over and the Bills win by one score. Maybe that was the ultimate difference. I mean, who knows how this pans out if Josh Allen continued down that pattern. 
because the rest of the, I mean, when you look at it, it was the lowest amount of pass yards he's had all season. But at the same time, it was the best passer rating he's had in about five weeks. The other odd, the other oddity here, just as far as his game is concerned, it was the least rush yards he has had all season. Allen only had seven yards on the ground. He only carried it three times, which is the second least amount of rushing attempts he's had all season. He only ran the ball one time against Tennessee, and that shocked me when I was looking this up because I would have never have guessed there was a game all season where he had only ran the ball one time. But this was the second fewest rushing attempts that he has had all season against the Cleveland Browns. In every game this season, outside of that Tennessee game and outside of the Browns game, he has ran for over 30 yards. And in seven out of 10 games, he's ran for over 42 yards. So in a game where Josh Allen was basically non-existent on the ground and his numbers through the air were some of the worst he's had statistically, I guess, as far as the low end is concerned all year, the Bills still wound up getting it done. I think the biggest positive you can take away from this game against the Browns is that the Bills showed you they can win differently. Maybe not consistently doing so, but they showed you in a game where they're not lighting it up through the air, where Josh Allen isn't making a miraculous play every other play on the ground, they can find a way to get it done differently. The odd thing, as I was referring to earlier, is I never thought that they would be able to almost win a game exclusively off the ability to run the ball. But that is kind of what they did in this game. This was as good of a rushing performance as you're going to get out of the Bills. I mean, maybe all year. And that was a real positive sign, one that I was not expecting. If you were going to tell me going into this matchup that the Bills would pretty much double up the Cleveland Browns on the ground and Josh Allen played almost no factor in that as far as running the ball is concerned, I would have told you you're out of your mind. But that's exactly what happened. Devin Singletary, 18 carries, 86 yards, one touchdown. And James Cook, who they finally allow an opportunity to, takes full advantage of it. 11 carries, the most he's had all season. That results in 86 yards, the most he's had all season. So you give Devin Singletary 18 carries. That was the most attempts he's had all year. It results in the most rush yards he's had all year. You'd hope it would. And then with James Cook, it's the first time he's had more than five touches since week two. And what did we get from that? A stellar performance. 86 yards on 11 carries. 7.8 yards a clip. And it just makes you wonder why it hasn't been a point of emphasis in previous games. The thing that still boggles my mind is the lack of use of Naheem Hines. He's, he's yet again non-existent on the stat sheet. Despite when you see him get the ball on punts, you see how quick he is. You see how electrifying he can be with the ball in his hands. I do not quite understand what exactly the game plan is in the running back room. Everything seems to be different from week to week. And all of a sudden in this game, it was completely reliant on the run game, or it hasn't been before. When they put him in this position, they actually executed. They gave James Cook an opportunity, something that they have not done all year, really. What do you know? He shines. And they do all that with still. Now, what is this, the third game 
that Naheem Hines has been on the roster, and he 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 is still yet to have a play designed for him. So I, I I have no answer for you, really. All I know is I was satisfied as all hell out of what we saw out of the run game. And I got to tip my cap to Ken Dorsey for actually sticking with it in moments where they would completely bail on it, typically. A perfect example would probably be the end of the first half where things started to turn around for the Bills in this game. The two-minute drill to get down the field, which would ultimately result in their touchdown to give them the lead going into half. They ran the ball the majority of that drive. And if we've known anything from the Bills over this, over this past year here, in that situation, they don't even look to run the ball. And I think it threw Cleveland off. It helped them get down the field in a game where Josh Allen really wasn't all that accurate, and the long ball was certainly not there. I think there was only one notable long ball really all game, and that was to Gabe Davis on the sideline. Ken Dorsey stuck with the run game. It got him down there, and they finally executed in the red zone for the first time in what seems like forever. I know I'm exaggerating on that. It just seems like when this team gets in the red zone, things kind of fall apart. And that drive was real promising because after what we had seen throughout the entire duration of the first half, I really didn't know they had it in them. It just seemed like one of those days. And the nice thing is they really were able to build on that at the end of the first half and carry that into the second half. But for a Bills team, and it's crazy, they score 31 points in this game and they score 30 points last week. It's still hard to say that the Bills offense played very good in either game. Yes, I am going to give all the credit in the world to the run game in this one. It's very deserving. But you still only scored one touchdown per half. And it was, it was a minor miracle you had the lead at halftime. Cleveland had made a handful of errors, and the Bills offense was nowhere to be found for a quarter and a half. Like I mentioned earlier, it literally took a quarter and a half for them to get their first first down of the game. How in the hell did they have the lead going into halftime? And you have to remember, this is a Cleveland Browns team with a backup quarterback, and they basically have nothing to play for at this point in the season already. So this is two polar opposite teams playing against each other on Sunday. And for the duration of the first quarter and about halfway through the second, the Browns were the better team. They outplayed the Bills for basically the entire first half. The difference in this one, I think, is the Bills' defense finally got things going right around the end of the first quarter, and they never looked back until the end of the game where it just seemed like a lot of, you know, chunk, uh, a lot of garbage time play was involved. It was just an odd game. It's so hard for me to try to characterize it because nothing really went right. I don't think anything particularly went insanely wrong. It never felt like the Bills were going to lose it. It never really felt like they were going to, I just, it's such an odd game. And I think this is the ultimate example of how different you feel about things when a game results in a win or a loss. That game could have easily, could have easily resulted in a loss. The way things had kind of unfolded early on in that game and just the way it seemed. Yet, the Bills wind up winning 31-23, to a one-score game. And... I, I today, I don't, I don't know how much better I feel about the state of these bills than I did this time last week after the loss to a much better, in my opinion, Minnesota Vikings team. And you, 
you look at what happened to the Jets and the Vikings on that same Sunday this past weekend, and it kind of makes things, it, it, it kind of alludes to my point. The Vikings got absolutely dismantled by the Dallas Cowboys. And the New York Jets could not muster one red zone trip the entire game against the New England Patriots. Three points all game. And the Bills lost to both of those teams. The Bills come in this one. Yep, they put up 31. Yep, the run game got going. Yes, Josh Allen didn't turn the ball over. Yes, the Bills finally broke the drought of not being able to score a touchdown in the second half. And yes, they got the victory. But I don't know if the victory alone here really has me feeling all that different about the way things are right now. And I understand what Sal's coming in here and saying, you know, you bat that ball down, the game's over. Yeah, but they didn't. The Bills did everything in their power last week in order to lose that game. Right? And then the first half of this one, they were doing everything in their power to put themselves at a disadvantage. And I understand you, you wind up kind of... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Running away with this game the way that, the way that it wound up ending. 
The Bills had it in hand to where you were never really worried towards the end of it. But I think the biggest concern here is the play of Josh Allen and how it never quite got back to a point in that game where you were feeling like you could see the old him. And the other thing, too, that I have yet to really get into is it just seems like the Bills, when one thing goes good, the other thing goes bad. They seem to be trading off. You know, they'll trade a good for a bad, right? A perfect example here is how you look at both the offense for the Bills this past game and the defense for the Bills this past game. So typically, the Bills, of course, are completely reliant on the pass. That really wasn't there at all on Sunday. Like I had mentioned earlier, I mean, that was the lowest amount of pass yards Allen has had all season. And by the way, I'm fine with that. I don't care how these wins wind up getting accumulated. They're wins at the end of the day. And I'm perfectly fine with the game not having to be completely dependent on Josh Allen to win it. I love that. The problem is when Josh Allen was throwing the ball in this game, it did not look particularly good. Yes, it did get going in the second half, but it's still at least one half a game now where it's just flat out not very good. So it's tough to be able to say, yeah, you know, I I feel really good about the way the Bills won this game, not having to rely on Josh Allen. It's really tough to say that after what we've seen the last couple of weeks. I do think it's refreshing to be able to see the Bills win in a different way. But it'd be a lot different if they had played completely differently over the last couple of games. In this one, it just felt like they had to grind everything. They had to do all the little dirty work in the trenches, on the ground, uh, you know, and kind of supplement Josh Allen's game in order to get the job done. It didn't seem like it was completely dependent on the run game from the beginning, and we were just going to let Josh Allen take a back seat in this one. He, When he was throwing the ball early on, it just wasn't all that good. And the problem, you know, the problem is, like, you know, Dilly Dally saying here, the Bills really do not have another guy outside of Diggs, and you see what happens when Diggs is kind of taken out of the game, like he was in the first half. He didn't have a reception. There just isn't much there. I guess my overall point here through with, with the air game, to kind of summarize that, my overall point on that is that it's just been so inconsistent as of late. I don't quite know where we stand. And when you look at this past game, like I had just said, you do feel good knowing the Bills were able to get it done with Allen not putting up over 200 yards, with them running the ball well. You do feel good about that, but I don't know if you feel as good as you should because of what we've seen over the last few weeks. But the one thing that I just think is strange here is the point I was making earlier. The Bills through the air, that's the way, that's their bread and butter. That's how they're going to win or lose games, right? They're going to be dependent on the pass. It wasn't there. But in this game, they have two running backs that go for season highs in yardage, and they have two running backs who had season highs in attempts. They also had Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary score another touchdown, which that, I think that has to be the first multi-game uh, touchdown, or it has to be the first uh, back-to-back scoring uh, score for a running back all season long, right? So you have that without any semblance of a pass game. And then you go over to Cleveland, and you're thinking their run game is going to be the, the X factor for them in this game, especially the way the Bills' D has been defending the run. And it was the complete opposite. 
The Bills D absolutely shuts down Cleveland's run game, probably the worst run game they've had all season. It was quite literally one of Nick Chubb's worst game of his career. The lowest total amount of yards that Nick Chubb has had with nine-plus carries in his career was yesterday. It was the second lowest yards per carry he's had in his career. Lowest yard total in 15 games. Fifth lowest yard total in his career. And the second fewest rush yards by the team with 20-plus attempts all season. So you're looking at that and you think the Bills dominated. The crazy thing is you go up to the pass game for Cleveland. Let's face it. They had a day. Jacoby Brissett had an absolute day yesterday. 28 of 41, 324 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and 116.3 passer rating. It was the only game all year for Jacoby Brissett where he threw for over 280, 280 yards. So obviously, it's the only game all year where he's cracked 300. It's the most completions he's had all season. The second most attempts he's had all season. So they relied on him more than ever in this game, and he executed. It's the most TDs he's thrown in a single game all year. It's only the second time all season long that he's had two or more touchdowns in a game. He's the second best passer rating all season long. And he, he was also their second leading rusher. Ran the ball, what, seven times for 29 yards? So the weird thing here is you look at going into this game, you would think, okay, the Bills are going to, they're going to have to pass it because the run game is typically never there to begin with. And they're going to have to shut down or they're going to have to, uh, you know, shut down the run. Uh, and then, you know, Cleveland's offense will be completely sputtered out of control, but it wasn't the case. They did shut down the run yet completely unfolded in the pass game. And on offense, they wound up being, the tone setter on the ground, but they were the ones that got outplayed in the pass game. The whole thing is just the, the whole game yesterday was so odd. I do not know necessarily what we, what we take away from it. You guys let me know what you feel in the comments. I do not know how to feel today. Obviously I feel better than I would if it was a loss, but I think, you know, you'll watch last night and it just seems like KC's got it. It's got, they got an edge right now. It just seems like right now, if the Bills were to have to face KC again, things would be different. They seem to be having it, having it going where the Bills are, are struggling at times to kind of prove that they were the team that we saw earlier on in the year. Even though they got that win yesterday, and even though at times yesterday things looked a lot better than it has recently, it still did not look even remotely close to what we thought this team was early on. Having Jordan Poyer back yesterday was absolutely massive. He made two plays early on that were, that were game-altering. Having him back in the fold is huge. I think that clearly is one of the biggest differentiating factors between this Bills defense succeeding and not succeeding. But even with him back yesterday, Brissett still had a great day. I'm dying to see what the, what the trajectory of this team is going to be when they, if and when they get Tredavious White back. And what Johnny Blaze is coming in here and saying, you know, supposedly right now it's all mental. I am not necessarily sure what is going on there. I've been hearing the same. I don't know if we see him Thursday. My guess is no. But you have three AFC East opponents 
right after this Detroit game. And this team could sure as hell use Tredavious White right now. Things are not, I mean, you see the disadvantage right now at the D-back position. All of a sudden, players are having career days against this Bills secondary. We saw what Justin Jefferson did to the Bills last week. And then we saw what Jacoby Brissett was able to pull off just on Sunday. And it wasn't just him. He had a ton of help from his receivers. I mean, Amari Cooper went off. That was the second most yards he's had in a single game all season. Second most catches he's had in a single game all season. And it was the only game all year where he scored more than one touchdown. So, do I think there were good things to take away from yesterday? Yes. Bills did exactly what you would have hoped they would have done against this run game. And let's face it, the way they had been defending the run, I was not expecting this. I really thought Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were going to eat, and they didn't. They, they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. But on the other hand, not, not my wildest dreams that I think Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper were going to have a career day. And then on offense, am I stoked to see the development of the run game, especially out of James Cook, the utilization of him to give him double-digit touches, see him go for nearly eight yards a carry? I mean, you better believe it. To stick with the run game, to continuously give the ball to Devin Singletary and let him build on his game all throughout, loved it. To not bail on it, loved it. But we, but the passing, I mean, the, the, the first half through the air, about as bad as it gets, it was Stephon Diggs, I mean, not to no fault of his own. I mean, Stephon Diggs, who you almost have to rely on exclusively in the pass game, it was his, you know, he, he was taken out of it. It was his worst game of the year statistically because of that. It was the least amount of yards he had all year. It was the least amount of targets he had all year. And it was the least amount of uh, catches he's had all year. So, all of this combined, it's just I don't know how to feel. There was a lot of good things, like shutting down the run in, a, in a, against a run against a team that that's all they do really. Like getting the run game going. The other good thing that I haven't really touched on that I love to see is even though that Diggs did not have a good day, Allen was able to distribute it to guys that aren't typically at the top of the stat sheet. This was Dawson Knox's best game of the year. And mainly it's because he served as a safety valve, what felt like the entire game. Dawson Knox was a huge factor in this game. That, that to me, is one of the biggest positives that I took away from yesterday when it came to the Bills' offense. Dawson Knox finally being in a position to help this Bills team. It just feels like he has not been utilized at all this season. That was the most yards he had all year, most targets he had all year, and he caught every single target. Incredibly impressive out of Dawson Knox. Seven targets, seven catches, 10 yards, a catch for 70 yards. So that, to me, major positive. The thing is, though, and I think this is where it, what it all comes down to for me. I, d I didn't think that I would have to try to find, I didn't think I'd have to try to dig for different reasons to be excited about things that we saw this season, right? I didn't think I'd have to go and dig. And I didn't think that right now at this current moment, as we hit Thanksgiving, I mean, this is what, this is the time of the year 
where you're figuring out if your team is it or it isn't. We are just a sh- we are just about a week shy of a month until it's playoff football. About a month and a half until it's playoff football. And we sit here in seven and three with with you know one of the best records in the entire league. And we still control our own destiny for the most part, unless the Chiefs win out. Which yeah, I mean, who knows? Could happen. But they're still in a, and they're still in great shape. It's just something ever since KC does not feel right. And there's been and, and the weird thing is, there's been two wins and two losses since KC. And both wins, we didn't particularly feel very good about. We didn't feel good about winning that Green Bay game. I don't know how great we feel about this game yesterday. And the two losses were gut punch losses. So I just don't know. Scotty coming in here with a super chat. He's saying, what worries me is when Josh Allen targets Gabe Davis when he's open and he keeps dropping the ball every game now like that, all freaking penalties are killing us. I mean, yeah, there was a play yesterday. Gabe Davis, middle of the field, down near the end zone, right in his hands, dropped. Yeah, I mean, I get it. But there were also several attempts yesterday from Josh Allen that felt like they were five feet over the receiver's head. I just, I'm kind of perplexed, really, as, as to what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And Phil's coming here, you know, our team is decimated with injuries. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But the decimation of injuries, I don't think, is an indication of the erratic type of play that we have seen through the air recently. Our wide receivers, good to go. I understand the injury of Josh Allen, but if he is good enough to be out there, then he's going to have to be good enough to get the job done. And I wonder at times if it's the elbow or if it's just him right now. I don't think the elbow had caused three straight two interception games. And I'm not necessarily sure that the elbow is the issue for the errant throws that we have seen over the last four weeks. I'm not entirely sure. I do hear what you're saying. I definitely do. All teams in this league, though, dealing with injuries. That's for sure. Let's get the Bartek here. My main man, Bartek, coming in super chat. He's saying it's tough to win in this league. And that's a good point. It is. That's why I'm not taking it for granted, obviously. Still could have found a way to slip up yesterday, for sure. And you see how different things can go from week to week. You see how different. You go from a Vikings team, right, that everybody all of a sudden wants to pencil in as the best team in the league because they beat Buffalo. They just got destroyed, dismantled, bent the hell over a barrel against Dallas. And then everybody wanted to, uh, you know, praise the Jets for finally arriving after what they did to Buffalo. And now their whole their organization is unraveling again after what, uh, you know, after Zach Wilson, who might be the most unlikable football player I have ever seen, ever in my life. I mean, I thought Baker Mayfield was bad, but at least it felt like Baker Mayfield was all in. I don't know if Zach Wilson's all in, and he is just, uh, don't even get me going on that, really. I'll save that for the next time the Bills play the Jets. We only got a couple weeks. Bartek continues to say, we barely were able to get to the game, yet alone practice. We won without relying on J.A. too much. Knox, big day. Running backs, big day. Run defense stepped up. We got this. And that I all agree on. That I all agree on. There's a lot of good things I think we take from this. And like you said, Bartek, and I'm in agreement with that as well. I want to sit here 
with all these things I'm listing off, I want to sit here and think a lot of that might have to do with the week that led up to the game. It is, though, tough for me to do that when we've seen three games prior to that that were awfully similar at times to what we saw yesterday, and none of that factored into it. I'll tell you this, though. You have a hell of an opportunity coming up here on Thursday. It's the first game of the day, middle of the day on Thanksgiving, where everybody's going to be tuned in. On Thanksgiving, it's typically one of those holidays where everybody gets together early on as opposed to later. It seems like the dinners continuously get earlier and earlier every year. You're the first game of the day at 1230. You're on basic cable, which means every television in the entire country has that game. And that's must-see football if you're even a remote football fan. Why? Because it's Josh Allen. Even those who aren't avid football fans like us, they're going to tune in because they know of Josh Allen. And, hey, guess what? It's football, and it's Thanksgiving. Whether you're watching it or not, it's going to be on in the background. This Detroit Lions team, I mean, you can say what you want about them. Are they good? I don't think so. Are they bad? No. I definitely don't think so either. The one thing you can say about this Detroit Lions team is they are going to give you their best swing every week. Dan Campbell will make damn sure of it. You can just tell there are some coaches in this league that get the most out of their players. Dan Campbell, definitely one of them. He just seems like that guy, if you played for him, you'd want to run through a wall for him. I mean, the Giants going into yesterday, you don't think that they thought they were going to take it to Detroit? They almost doubled up the Giants yesterday. Beat the Packers. Beat the Bears. And I look at I understand. Are the Giants world beaters? No. Hell no. Still had a damn good record going into yesterday. Are the Packers world beaters? No. We, we've seen them before. We know what they are. The Bears have been, you know, emerging on offense, especially with the incredible play of Justin Fields. But their defense is horrific. But either way, man. This Lions team's riding a three-game win streak into their home venue on Thanksgiving. So this is no easy task. The Bills have an opportunity here to really make a statement. Everyone's watching. In my opinion, the Lions are no slouch. And you get to be able to put on a full display in that standalone spot. And if you can do that, I think you're right. A lot of the wrongs that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, and you can take 10 full days to get ready for the toughest stretch of your remaining schedule. There's a lot to me that goes into this coming game on Thursday. Does it suck that it's on a short week, especially after all the bills I've had to deal with flying to Detroit, having to fly back home after that game yesterday, and then they're going to fly back again. What? Wednesday or Tuesday or tomorrow or something. A lot going on. Short week, four days. Be away from family after all the storm and stuff. It's not ideal. But it's a perfect opportunity to get a vote of confidence going into the end of the season. I think when we first saw the schedule come out, and then, of course, when we saw the season start and we saw the Lions kind of be the Lions, I think that we thought this was going to be a runaway. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. The line came out yesterday. The Bills are 10-point favorites on Thursday. 
I don't see where they, I don't see it right now. But if you go out and you cover that spread, you beat the Lions by double digits, I'm going to feel a lot better than I do right now. I think it's a perfect opportunity. We've had two wins and two losses since the bye. In my opinion, you combine all four of those games and what you've had is a lot of mediocre football. It is a complete shell of itself as to what we saw pre-bye. That was far from mediocre football. That was, here's the Bills at the top of the NFL. Everyone else is looking up. You know for a fact whether you, you know, I, I get it. There's good things yesterday to take away from that. There's also bad. And you can say that about all four games. But you know deep down the last four games are not what the Buffalo Bills are capable of at all. And you got a spot where the Bills typically have thrived over the last couple of seasons. In these standalone spots, in these primetime games, right? They seem to deliver their best football in these opportunities. And I think it couldn't come at a better time. But I would not look, I w- I'm not looking past Detroit in the slightest. I think this game is going to be a lot tougher than people realize. The only game this season, really, that, that the Lions, they've only had a couple of real stinkers. People forget they're only a game under 500 right now, and they're second place in that division. They've only had two real bad games. Patriots beat the hell out of them 29-0, and then they followed that up by getting blown out by the Cowboys. But they played the Dolphins incredibly close, 31-27, gave the Seahawks a hell of a game, 48-45, and that's the key here with these Lions. They can put up points. Whereas typically in the past, I don't think you'd expect that from Detroit, but they have been putting up points. 31 yesterday, 31 the week before, 27 against the Dolphins. This game to me is very interesting. It's very interesting. But I think it's a massive opportunity to be able to get a little bit of momentum going into the toughest part of the season. Because even though in your head it's the Lions, right? Even if they win, the, like yesterday, you know, you beat the Browns. But I'm, I'm sure if you're like me, a lot of people left that game yesterday saying, yeah, it's a win, but it was the Browns. And I don't know how inspiring that was. And we expected to win that game anyways. If they beat Detroit on Thursday, you might feel the same way too. But as Bartek was just saying, no, no win in this league is easy. And if we go out on Thursday, in that particular moment, in that particular opportunity, and lay, a, lay the hammer down, that's what we need. There's no excuse going into this game. The four quarters needs to be delivered on Thursday. And then you get basically a mini buy. You get a mini buy after this. I think this game's a lot bigger than it might seem on paper. That's all. I think this game's a lot bigger than it seems just looking at it on the schedule. Adam coming in here. He's saying, more worried about Chiefs or win division. Let's talk about that division real quick. Things got shaken up a bit as we knew they would on Sunday because the Jets played the Patriots. And, of course, one of those teams had to lose. I just, I got to tell you, that game and the Vikings game made me, didn't it not just make you sick knowing the Bills lost to both those teams? It made me sick. The Vikings just got dumped on. I could not believe that was the same Vikings team the Bills played a week ago. Yeah, should the Bills be, should the Bills have beat them ten times over? Hell yeah, but the the, the Cowboys never left the, the door open for two seconds, 
And then just how bad the Jets were against the Patriots on offense. And to watch Zach Wilson at the podium after, I mean, good God, how, how did they lose that game? So as the conference stands right now, the Chiefs are still in the one slot. They're the only team in the AFC with only two losses. Man, the Chargers, I I swear to God, these freaking Chargers, man, every single time, especially against the Chargers, they have them on the ropes for like 55 minutes every single time. Every time. Always find a way. And I know, give a lot of credit to the Chiefs, of course. They always find a way to win it. But man, do the Chargers always find a way to lose it. It is remarkable. That would have been huge. The Chargers winning last night would have been awesome. The Bills would have officially been back into their own, you know, drivers into the driver's seat with their own destiny being able to be fulfilled by them and them alone. But the Chiefs always find a way, and the Chargers sure as hell find a way to do the opposite. Chargers at one, Miami at two. I guess the silver lining there is Miami fans would have had a a fake week of being the one seed and they would have loved that. So maybe that's the silver lining in the chiefs winning there. Miami at two, Tennessee at three, Baltimore at four. And the bills come in at the five seed, the Patriots round out um, the sixth spot. And then coming in, in the final playoff spot, the Bengals have emerged into playoff position. They've been outside of playoff position for weeks. Now they finally get into that field of seven and the Jets, as of right now, are knocked out. So your field of seven right now are Chiefs, Dolphins, Titans, Ravens, Bills, Patriots, Bengals, in that order, with the Jets and the Chargers just outside looking in. Now, you look at the bulk of uh, the, re- the remaining schedule for the Bills. So they have New England twice. Miami, who's ahead of them right now, they got them one more time. And then the Bills have already beaten the Ravens, the Titans, and the Chiefs. So when it's all said and done, the Bills will have played every single one of these current playoff teams at least once. They'll have beaten the Chiefs. They'll have played Miami twice, of course. They'll have beaten the Titans. They'll have beaten the Ravens. They'll have played New England twice. And they play Cincinnati uh, just after New Year's Day. So the remaining schedule here, Outside of this Detroit game, and that to me is why I think you can't take this game lightly. It's the last game on your schedule, really, outside of a couple. I know Detroit, or I know Chicago's on there, but it's the last game for at least the next month where it's not like playoff type. Uh, it's not like a playoff type atmosphere with like playoff type. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just feels like every game over the next month outside of this Detroit game is going to have massive implications. And this is why you got to start building the momentum now while you have the opportunity. Oh, look at Sweet Caroline. She comes in here. What do you got? Key Lime Pie Martini. Look, I could. Oh, you're shaking the camera, sweetheart. Let's try it out. Let's see how, let's see how we're doing here. Key Lime Pie Martini. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> That's dangerous, gang. Here's the problem. You could drink 10 of those. You will vomit, guaranteed. It's one of those drinks you can only have one. Because if you have two, it's kind of like eating a whole thing. It's like eating a whole cake. That's good. But anyway, um, 
the remaining schedule here, I mean, the, the, the Bills are going to be battle-tested, playoff-tested. Patriots playoff team currently, they have them tw- two more times. Dolphins, currently the two seed, have them. The Jets on the outside looking in, they got to play them again. That game's going to be absolutely massive. Cincinnati Bengals, at the end of the year, that game could potentially be huge as far as seeding is concerned. I guarantee you it will be. You got to kick it in gear this coming Thursday. You can feel however you want about the win yesterday. I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel great about it. You can feel however you want to feel about the two games prior that were losses. You can feel however you want to feel about the mediocre second half against Green Bay and that loss. But put it in the back because it doesn't matter anymore. You got this game coming up as a buffer, the ability to be able to get some momentum going, and then it's game on. I mean, it's essentially playoff football the rest of the way here. Every single week, after this, I mean, and not to rule out this coming week. I mean, if the Bills lose to the Lions, they're, they're in a, an egregiously bad spot moving forward as, with all the AFC East games they have left. It's just every game at this point is so huge. It is so tight right now. I, I, I don't even know if I can remember a time where it's been this tight. Seeds two through five right now all have the same record. And then seeds Five through eight have the same record. With Kansas City standing alone at the top being the only team with two losses. And they've been close a couple of times. I mean, it is so, it is so tight. So the the, the time to just dilly-dally around anymore is it's absolutely over. And it starts Thursday, in my opinion. I mean, you can, you can look at that game however you want. I get it. It's the Lions. They've been a laughing stock for a long time. That game means a hell of a lot more than you think it does. And I think the way that they play in it, too, means a hell of a lot, too. This isn't college football, and I've told you this before. The style points don't necessarily get you anything tangible. I mean, in college football, style points matter. If you win by 40, you have a better chance to get in the college football playoff than a team who wins by 10. It's ridiculously stupid, but it's the reality. That doesn't happen in the NFL, but what they're good for is, of course, like what we saw in the beginning of the year. Remember those style points the Bills accumulated on early in the year? It boosted them up to clearly looking like the best team in the league. They have not had that spark since. And I just think out of all the games left, Thursday is an opportunity that you don't have a whole lot of left yet yet this year, really, to be able to capitalize that and then use that moving forward. I don't know, man. What are we? We're an hour 15. I want to apologize, by the way. I've been sick all day. Super, super sick. And I got to die. Just based on my performance tonight was brutal. Just brutal. I mean, you got, you got those nights. I don't want to be Zach Wilson. I don't want to be Zach Wilson. I read, it, I read an article earlier from SNY. It was amazing. The ending of the article was, Zach, they got the, this, these are Jets writers, by the way. The Jets writer was like, Zach Wilson's the type of guy to look in the mirror and see everybody but himself. I don't think I've ever heard that quote before. And that I was like, damn. I don't know if you've seen that stuff from Zach Wilson when they ask him if he let the defense down. He said, no. Listen, if Josh Allen ever said that, I'd be sick to my stomach. The great thing is he never would. And we saw Josh Allen a couple weeks ago play a game where he had, you know, multiple touchdowns, 
200 plus yards, 80 some yards on the ground. And he tells the reporters it's all his fault. He played like shit. I mean that you can't overlook that. I tell you guys that time and time again, you cannot overlook the intangibles that Josh Allen possesses because they're not as common as you think they are. Cause now it doesn't matter if Zach Wilson winds up becoming, you know, Joe Montana, which he won't, by the way. I mean, he is beyond bad, but the problem is he's doing what Baker Mayfield did. He's just, he's becoming so unlikable that he'll never get a fair shake again. Really? If you're going to continue to do this, you're not going to be able to sustain a job in this league because nobody's going to want to continue to give you opportunities. Look at Baker Mayfield. His, com- his career is completely in, in shambles. And you want to know why? 90% of the reason is because of his attitude and his character. And Zach Wilson really showing true colors yesterday. That was just a random tangent. But I just want to say my performance tonight, brutal, awful, never felt good from the get-go. I don't know why. I just wanted to apologize. I think it's because I'm in a different spot, which is no excuse. Kind of like the Bills are in a different spot. You think they use that excuse? No. See, look, at if I was on a football team, I'd be making excuses. Stupid. Can't be doing that. It was just bad. It's a bad show tonight. Pissed. Legitimately pissed at myself. And I, I, I was sick all day. We were, I was out earlier driving around. We were doing errands. I, said, I, 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 I had to go home. I, I felt like absolute ass. Now I'm drinking a freaking... Key Lime Martini. But I wanted to apologize to you guys. It wasn't good tonight. And I promise you, on my life, next week, it's going to be a heater. Where I'm bringing the A game next week. I hated tonight's show. I hated it so much. I'm sorry. Uh, so as we close out here, let's kind of round out what we are looking at moving forward here. So, of course, we have the Lions. They're riding a three-game win streak into this game. And I just think they're playing inspired football right now, and they're bringing it home. And that's going to be and that's going to be a packed up crowd. I mean, this is probably the most the Lions have had to play for in God knows how long. You want to hear you? I mean, this is the crazy thing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The Lions are not all that far out of a playoff spot right now, so they're going to be playing some inspired some inspired football. And I just think this game, I'm more excited for it than I ever thought I would be. It is a massive game. And then moving forward, we're going to really find out before the playoffs here, these Buffalo Bills true colors. We really are. And it's funny how the schedule kind of is laid out. It seems like you have these two NFC West buffers. Or not, no, excuse me, not a, what am I talking about? You have these two random buffers with the NFC North that separate like AFC playoff contenders and the Bills schedule. So you have this random buffer here, Bills Lions Thanksgiving. Then it's three straight AFC East games, Patriots primetime, then the Jets, Dolphins, which I guarantee is going to be a primetime game too. There's yet to uh, be a time scheduled for that one. Then a random NFC North buffer, Chicago Bears, Christmas Eve. And then you round the game out, or the year out, Bengals, Patriots. So this is that first buffer, so to speak. Let's see if they can use it to their advantage and ride into the rest of the year. Oh, you want to know what? Holy shit, I'm just realizing this, by the way. 
I was under the impression. Wow. Hold on a minute. I'm just, oh my God. I was under the complete impression the Bills were going to have a mini buy. Has this ever happened? This is probably why I was under this impression. Has this ever happened? Back-to-back Thursday night games. I'll have to look that up. I don't know if I've ever heard of this. Or Thursday games. It's just hitting me now. I don't know how I haven't realized this before. The Bill, the the Patriots game is one week from Thanksgiving. It's, it's back-to-back Thursday night games. How did I not realize that before? So it's not a mini buy. Has that ever happened before? As far as scheduling is concerned in this league. I'm going to have to look that up right after the show here. Wow. Okay. Well, get used to some Thursday night Buffalo Bills football, folks. That is so odd. The Bills won't play a Sunday game again until December 11th. I don't know how that never hit. That I've looked at this schedule probably 10 million times. It has never hit me until right now. Am I nuts? Am I the only one out of everybody in here that, that's just realizing this? All right. Well, that's just one less. That's one. Uh, one more reason to get it in gear, I guess. You got two back-to-back games in front of the whole world. Good point. See, now we're talking, right? Bane Mafia. So that's what I was getting. Okay. Good thinking. Good thinking, Bane. So we do get that many by before the Jets, not the Patriots. That 10-day buffer between the uh, the Patriots and the Jets. I just, even so, though, I just, I had, I don't know. This is like blowing my mind right now. I'm kind of excited about it, though. Because the weight... The wait between a Sunday to Sunday feels really long, but for some reason, the wait between a Thursday to a Thursday doesn't feel as long. Does that make any sense? Probably not. I don't know. All right, now, I, I got to, uh, what am I doing here? No, I got to go take uh, some medicine and hit the sack. This was just, I'm so mad at myself. Ronald's coming in too much to drink. No, I wish. My game's just off right now. I'm feeling weird. I was sick. I just felt like ass yesterday. I feel like ass today. And uh, plus the whole moving thing. I don't know. I'm in a million places. But let me tell you this. I vow to you. Next week's going to be the best show yet. Maybe I'll do something special. I want to do something special next week. Maybe we'll do a giveaway or something because I'm pissed. Everybody that's asking about the t-shirt got it at Wegmans. I got this t-shirt at Wegmans. And I'm pretty sure that they, they all the Wegmans uh, on the East Coast here still have them. So go check it out. Um, that's where I got mine. All right, next week, we're back. Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel, The Smoke Break. And that'll be off of a Thanksgiving game against these Detroit Lions. So I won't see you till then. And I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you enjoy that game. The beauty of the of the games on, on holidays is that you get to uh, enjoy them on a holiday with all the, you know, the food and whatnot and the family. But you, you risk ruining the entire holiday. So let's just hope to God the Bills bring their A game back to four field on Thursday. And then we got nothing to worry about. And we ride that into the sunset out to Gillette next week. I'll be back with you next Monday night. And like I said, apologies again. This was just bad. I'm pissed at myself for it. I don't know why. Um, 
it went the way it did, but it did. Next week, we're making up for it and get ready. We're doing giveaways and stuff next week. I promise you. All right. Have a good night tonight, everybody, and please enjoy your holiday. And I will see you same place, same time next Monday night. And as always, go Bills. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.